greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video series, The Biblical Principles Governing the Eyes. This is lesson number five in the series, and uh, we've been talking about some very, very important things. In this lesson, I'd actually like to continue what we were talking about in the last lesson. Uh, we talked about the spiritual function of the eyes. Uh, we looked at the teachings of Jesus in Matthew six twenty-two through 24 uh, in some detail. But let's consider the same teaching from the book of Luke, Luke eleven thirty-four. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is also full of light. But when thine eye is evil, the body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, uh, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give light. Uh, the uh, Weist Expanded Translation of the New Testament reads this way. The lamp of the body from of Luke eleven thirty four through 36. The lamp of the body is the eye. When your eye is in single focus, sound, and fulfilling its function, also your whole body is well lighted. But when it is pernicious, also your body is full of darkness. Be constantly scrutinizing yourself, therefore, lest the light which is in you is darkness. Therefore, assuming that your whole body is well lighted, not having any part full of darkness, the whole shall be full of light as when the lamp, when the lamp by its bright shining illuminates you. As stated in the last lesson, what our eyes are engaged in seeing, our souls will be engaged in serving. Uh, this is so critical. This is so critical. Probably, I don't know if there's ever been a time in the history of man when this principle has been more critical than it is today. We are so, we have so many different ways to see stuff. And, and, and so therefore there are themes each one of us has a theme to what we see, whether good or bad or someplace in between. Uh, we, we, have, we have a theme of stuff we like to watch and do, whether it's a video game or a, a video or something on the Internet or YouTube or on and on and on and on. There is a, each one of us has a theme, and that theme should tell us kind of the direction that we are going in. Because, again, what our eyes are engaged in seeing, seeing, our souls will be eventually engaged in serving. That's the biblical principle. Our eyes are responsible for influencing our lives to either be filled with light or to be void of light, which is being filled with darkness. One more time. According to the teachings of Jesus, this is the power of the eye. Our eyes are responsible for influencing our lives to either filled with, be filled with light or to be void of light, which is being filled with darkness. The absence of light is darkness. So all I have to do 
to have darkness in me is my eye not function and not let any light in, and the result is darkness. So there's all kind of ways to have darkness in me. I have to choose to have God's light in me. That has to be a choice. It does not get in me any other way than by my choice to have God's light in me. But I can choose, I could choose to not see darkness and just not let the light in. And the absence of light is darkness. Or I can choose to enhance that by letting things in me that are actually so deceptive that I'm not only in darkness, but I am totally deceived in darkness. So in darkness, at least the Lord can shine light on me and I can come out of that. But in, in, uh, if, if I'm in darkness or in deception in that darkness, uh, it's difficult to come out of delusion. In fact, for many people, it's essentially impossible when I've gone that far. But the light, the eye, what I see mentally starts with what I see naturally. So what I choose to let enter my eyes naturally is going to affect what I would event, will eventually serve, and it will also affect whether there's light in me or darkness in me or deception in me. That's the power of the eye. Therefore, I think we could all agree that governing what enters or does not enter the eye is very critical to our salvation. If that's, if this is the principle, if this is the word of God, how could that not be the case? Now, as you're listening to this or watching this, if it's, whether it's a podcast or the video, uh, you know, you, uh, <laughs> You may go, well, you, you know, what about this? What about that? What about, well, we can play the what if game all you want. The bottom line is, what is the spiritual result of what you're watching? What's the spiritual result? Is what you're watching putting light in you? Or is it keeping light out and making darkness in there? Or are you actively involved in letting deception in? By what I'm seeing. There are in, in, in the desert, uh, there is a dangerous occurrence. It's called a mirage. You can get so bad off with thirst that you're so thirsty, that you're so desperate for thirst, that your mind conjures up what you need and what you want to see. But when you, head toward that mirage, and you get to where it should be, it's not there. But the mind actually works the opposite way in that situation, where it processes an image in your mind so clear that you think you're seeing that image with your eye. But it's not true. It's deception. So it's one thing... To not choose, uh, it's one thing to not choose to let light in here, but it's another thing for that absence of light in here to create images that appear to be true, but they're lies. They're deception. They're delusion. That's why Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that if I don't receive a love for the truth, 
that there will be sent to me a spirit of delusion, a strong delusion, and I will believe that lie and be damned because I received not the love of the truth. And truth and light are synonymous. True light and is true. And what true light shows me is true. Now, my being in here can process that image in a way that it changes truth into something else. If I allow the influences, both internal influences, and the voices of this world and the culture of this world, and the voices of the adversary, the God of this world, to, to, to work through my problems, my bad memories and whatever, and, and convince me that what I'm actually seeing is not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing something else. So that's darkness. And how great is that darkness? How great is that darkness? If our eyes are allowing spiritual darkness to access our souls, then we will be full of spiritual darkness. If our eyes are the portal for spiritual light into our being, to enter into our beings, then our whole being will be full of spiritual light. This does not happen by osmosis. This does not happen uh, against your will. It doesn't happen against my will. I must choose whether I'm going to have light in here or darkness in here. Let's consider the Greek word for uh, single used in uh, every instance uh, in both texts. The word single is, according to the Complete Word Study Dictionary, it's used of the eye as not seeing double as when it is diseased. When the eye accomplishes its purpose of seeing things as they are, then it is haplous, which is single, healthy, or perfect. And so a diseased eye or a flawed eye will see double. And that, that lets, that lets light in, but it's deceptive because what I'm seeing is not really what's there. So my eye is not seeing correctly. So again, that opacity, that wrong thing that I'm seeing is darkness, it's blindness. I'm not seeing clearly. So when the scripture says, if our eye is single, if it's seeing clearly, if it's seeing with focus, if it's seeing truth, then the light in me is great light. But let's consider here the result of double vision. Because the result of double being double visioned is becoming double minded. Uh, James chapter one, verse five says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven of the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. The word double-minded there in the Greek means literally, according to Strong's, two-spirited. Two-spirited. Or 
two influences affecting me. So if I'm double visioned, I'm seeing light from God, but I'm also letting darkness into me because my eyes not seeing properly. That two, that double vision causes me to be double spirited or two spirited or I'm under the influence of two opposing spirits. Well, the results of that are not minor. They're major. A two-spirited man is told to not think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Anything. A two-spirited person, a double-minded or double-visioned person, their prayers don't work. The prayers don't work. Live for God a while, given to this habitually, flesh, the world. You know, we don't we, we like people we want people to like us. And so even if we're not giving into our flesh for our sake, we give into the flesh so we can fit in with people and that they won't they won't uh, uh, reject us. We give in for them, see. And if I'm pleasing men the word says I'm not pleasing God. If I'm pleasing men, I'm not pleasing God. So I give in to this. I give in to this. So I'm, I'm trying to please God, and I please God as much as I can, as much as I can. But, you know, I've got flesh, and I've got life to live. And, and you know, and sometimes there's just stuff I like to do occasionally. And, and, and yeah. And then when you need to pray, prayer doesn't work. Because the only prayer he hears is the prayer of repentance in that situation. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? Because a two-spirited person, a person that is mixing what they see, they see light, but then they see darkness. They let in light, they let in darkness. They are unstable in all their ways. Okay? It's like, it's like, okay, which one are you today? Are you the dedicated child of God today or are you the person that's enjoying their flesh over here and the sin of the flesh? And here's what the adversary does. He takes truth and perverts it because he says, Oh, but God will forgive you, and God will. He will. And, and I mean, one of the most insincere prayers I ever prayed is, God, if you'll forgive me, I'll never do that again. I don't have the ability to promise that because I couldn't keep myself from doing it the first time. I can't keep myself from doing it the second time or the tenth time. So the only thing I can do is receive the love of God and the forgiveness of God without condition. And then allow the grace of God to operate in me to enable me to do what I can't do myself. And he will. And he does. But if I allow myself to accept, I accept the place of living in two worlds. Two minds. Two things I'm seeing. Double vision. Double eyesight. Double-spirited, double-hearted. Well, God doesn't accept that. 
He doesn't accept that. When we choose, when we choose, when we choose to allow our eyes to see in an undisciplined manner, we open ourselves up to being torn asunder by two very powerful forces, good and evil. Eventually, we will become double-visioned. Our eyes will not be able to focus. When that happens, we will become double-minded or, as Strong's definition of the Greek word states, two-spirited. Or, in other words, we will be under the influence of two different spirits. Where does all this start? It starts with the eyes. This all starts with the eyes. Anything that is not true, that's, that God would not approve of, that the word doesn't approve of, anything like that, it's an open door that starts me on a path. And here's the problem, and I've said it already in previous videos, I'll say it again. The problem with any time I make a choice to let in darkness, the consequences are not immediately obvious. I don't immediately feel horrible. I don't immediately I don't immediately see bad things happening. And there is pleasure in that for a very short period of time. And because of that, I set myself up to do that again and again. And all the time I'm doing that, I'm losing traction over here spiritually. I'm losing traction. I, what does traction mean? Traction is what keeps you from sliding, slipping. It's what traction is. If your tires lose traction, you're skidding down the highway. And all of my giving myself to my flesh causes me to lose traction in the spirit. And now I start skidding and then I'm sliding and and I, and because backsliding is not an event, it's a process. No one backslides as an event. Nobody. It's a process. I become two-spirited. And in my two-spirited case, because of my double vision, I, uh, I pray, but prayers don't work. And then there's a voice that says to me, prayer didn't work. God's not listening to you. He didn't care about you. He doesn't love you. Because prayer does not work. Prayer doesn't work. Think of all the things you could be doing right now instead of praying. Prayer doesn't work. And he says those things. And he, he does his best to convince us those things are true. And where does it all start? It starts with the eyes. It starts with the eyes. I cannot lust after that which I do not see. I cannot lust after that which I do not see. You know, somebody can say to me, hey, uh, let's go get ice cream. If I'm not seeing ice cream, either physically or in my mind, I can go, nah, it's okay. Thank you. Thanks anyway, but I, I'm not interested. But if they put the ice cream in front of me, or they put a picture of the ice cream in front of me, 
Now I've got a completely different thing I've got to deal with. If we drive by Dairy Queen, where my absolute favorite ice cream in the whole world is, which is soft-serve chocolate at Dairy Queen. Now, I, I, there's a lot of other ice cream I enjoy, but soft-serve chocolate whew, at Dairy Queen, yeah. So all I have to do is see, all I have to do is see a Dairy Queen sign, drive by it, and immediately that Dairy Queen sign becomes a large soft-serve chocolate cone in my hand. Now i got a problem. Because I can almost taste that chocolate ice cream. I can almost envision myself licking it. Now, my wife and I are so different. Because when she gets an ice cream cone and I get one, she can get a small one. I can get a big one. And I, I invariably finish before her. Because I worked that thing over. Well, I remember that. I can almost taste it. And now I have to make a decision. Am I going to get some ice cream or not? So it is with the eyes in every other situation in life. What I hear, I can be tempted by. What I hear about, I can be tempted by that. But what I see, what I actually see, that's a different thing altogether. It's a whole completely different level of decision-making, of choosing. A whole completely different level of it. All because I've let things in that shouldn't be there. Again, does God love us? Yes. Is he merciful? Yes. Is he willing to forgive us? Yes. Does he want to help us? Yes. Has he forgiven me of sins I have repeated sometimes, many times? Yes. And I pray in his patience he will never stop. But some point, somewhere in this, I've got to let the word of God affect my choices. And I've got to let the grace of God empower me to make the right choices enough that there is a spiritual, positive spiritual stronghold of living a lifestyle of saying yes to Jesus and no to everything else, that it's no longer a challenge to have to do this all the time. It's no longer a question of who's going to win, who's going to win. Years ago, I was in a, in a situation where um, I, I, I wanted to pray. I really felt the direction of the Lord to to go into a, 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 an extended period of time where I was praying absolutely as much as I could any particular day. And uh, I, uh, I, I really believe that was God. But when I started, I felt nothing, nothing. And uh, so I'm feeling nothing, and I'm thinking, I'm going to pray all day, and I'm feeling nothing. I, I can't do this. And so I, I just kept praying, and I kept praying, and I'm not feeling anything. And then, then the voices started. You, God didn't tell you to do this. You're, you're just wasting your time. You're not feeling anything. Nothing's going to happen. This is not going to work. And uh, when, I, when I pray, I like to move. I, I'll rock a little bit. You, you, it may be imperceptible to others, but it feels like I'm going like this. 
when I may only be just barely moving, but I, I, I like to move and I like to walk and pray. I like to rock and pray. I just, just get into it and, and I can't sit still. Just like trying to teach these lessons. I can't sit still and do this. Uh, I, I may not be standing up and walking like I do when I'm speaking in public, but I, you know, I, I got my legs going and I'm moving. I'm whatever. Cause I can't sit still to do this. Well, <laughs> uh, I wasn't feeling anything, but something inside rose up in me, and I said, no, God said me to do this. I'm doing it. If I never feel anything, I'm doing it. Well, it was a couple of hours, and I'm still not feeling anything. And, and those voices and the restlessness became palpable. And uh, I finally said, forget this. I sat down on the floor, crossed my leg Indian style. You can tell this was several years ago. And just something came over me, and this is what I what, what, what I was able to decide. I am not going to move any muscle but my mouth. I'm not going to rock. I'm not going to move my hands. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to close my I'm not even going to blink my eyes. I'm just going to sit here, and every part of my flesh except my mouth is going to be still. Well, I did that. I did that a while. It was over an hour at least. And all of a sudden, just this slightest, littlest, tiniest bit of manifestation of this presence of God, I felt it just a little bit. And that was encouraging because that's the first time I'd felt, and I'd probably been going about four hours then. And so I just kept going. And then the Lord began to talk. He said, everything in my world for you is a choice between flesh and spirit. Flesh has its influencers. Uh, your flesh, the world, and the God of this world. But your spirit has influencers too, and that's my spirit, and my word, and my blood, and my love, and all that. But ultimately, you have to decide who's going to win. I cannot help until you choose who's going to win. And I quoted the verse in a previous video, uh, Galatians 5, 17. This is probably not an exact quote, but it's close. Uh, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Uh, these are contrary one to the other, uh, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And so, flesh and spirit, are, and the Lord said, you are not a helpless victim in this struggle. You are the only one that can determine who wins, the flesh or the spirit. You're the only one that can determine that. You must choose. Now, if you choose flesh, you'll give into the flesh. I will not manifest myself at all. You're on your own. If you choose me to win, my word, my will, my spirit, my name, my grace, you choose me to win. Then everything I've got in my, as God in your, as resources are available to you to help you win and conquer this opposing side. But I cannot do that till you decide. I, I will not violate your will. I gave you a will because you're my child. I am God. I have a will. The only ones I gave their own will to were men because I created them in my image, mankind. And therefore, 
in this life, I cannot violate your will. So if you want me to work in your life, you have to make a choice for my influence to win in your life. Now, it wasn't very long after that till I broke through into a depth of prayer I don't know if I'd ever experienced before. And I realized the lie that I had been believing from my flesh because the desire to pray and the spirit of prayer was resident deep in my spirit. It had always been there. But my flesh, I, I, I would give in to my flesh. I'd pray a while and say, well, I'm done. I don't have to go any farther or I've done enough or whatever. That's the way flesh wanted to get me to do. And then I think this was 1976 is actually when this happened, October of 1976, and so, you know, and I would, I, I would work really hard for God, but then it was my flesh's time. And so this kept going like this. And so I, would, I did what, what I wanted to do. I deserved it. I'd worked hard. I need to rest. I need to do. I need, I need some entertainment. I need, I need, I need. And so I didn't realize that I was keeping that flesh in a place where it was having power. It wasn't until many years later that I realized that even when I had victory over the flesh, all I had to do was not choose to deny my eyes from seeing things they shouldn't, and I opened a door. Flesh doesn't need a whole lot. It doesn't need a flesh doesn't need a big the Grand Canyon. Flesh only needs a sliver of opportunity, just a crack in your will that says. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, a thought that comes and stays instead of passing it on through like it should have and not stay there. That's there. That's what happens. Now, coming back to the subject of this video series, all of this comes back to the decision between whether flesh is going to dictate what your eyes see or whether the Spirit of God dictates what your eyes see, and nobody can make that choice but you. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would be able to receive this conviction from the Lord, this grace from God to enable you to both desire to please Him and to be enabled to please Him in all things so that you can grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord that you can become all he would have you to be. Because in him there, as I've taught already, there's joy and fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore in him when I'm really living his life and letting him live his life through me. In Jesus' name, God bless you.